This is the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. We recorded some interviews during last month's IPCPR trade show in Las Vegas, and we'll be releasing those interviews here over the course of the next several episodes. So the first of those interviews is with Eduardo Fernandez, the founder of Aganor Salif. So we get into some of the recent branding changes that have been made there, the non-tobacco components of Eduardo's um, agricultural business, and some of the ideas that are at the core of the um, company's approach to premium cigars and tobacco. So, uh, yeah, without any further ado, here is that conversation with Eduardo Fernandez. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, this isn't exactly new news, but we haven't heard from you directly about uh, all of the work that you've done to uh, bring Aganorsa as a name, right? Mm-hmm. Make that the core of the brand. Talk about that, uh, what that process was like, what the thinking was, um, and, and also let's, but before, before we get into that, Let's talk about what Aganorsa is, because Aganorsa, I think a lot of people, cigar smokers, may not realize how much more it is than cigars and tobacco. There's a lot more happening um, uh, in Aganorsa than this part of, of your business. So let's talk about what Aganorsa is, you know, strictly speaking. Okay, Aganorsa is a company I established in 1998 uh, as an agricultural company involved in agricultural projects, which is how I began and was introduced into tobacco. I was a leaf grower, and that's how I began. Um, for a, f- a few years, I was just in leaf. But as my leaf uh, became uh, sort of uh, known in the market, mm-hmm. people then would come to me, why don't you make my cigar? And I didn't want to get involved in that side of the business because I came to Nicaragua strictly in agricultural products to be involved with the land, the peasants. It was my liking for the rest of my life. Yeah. So by... Uh, coming back, I, I got into actual tobacco making. And it happened because of Pedro Martin, uh, who I met and was a mentor of mine, and a, an extremely knowledgeable old Cuban with an ext- uh, extreme excellent palate and, and a gentleman to begin with. And he basically said, you got to go into tobacco. Your leaf is special. You have to take it to the next level. Right. So that's how I got into actual cigar making. And I bought his company uh, because he was wanting to retire. He says, you're the man to take it forth, a torch. So that's how it all began. As time went on, uh, everything is, is uh, they say, uh, is a 10-year process of learning yeah. and uh, suffering the consequences. Uh, and that's how you become better, which is true. My life now, um, in the late 60s, uh, it, it, it's, it's really true. It takes time to really learn and do something very well, especially if you're really involved. No, it's not a one-two. Nothing is simple in life. Everything is sort of complicated, even the simple stuff. Yeah. So that's what took me uh, to this level of Aganorsa leaf, because our leaf was so famous, was so good. I dared label it, make right. it a, not a, a trademark per se, but give it a name, yeah, which yeah. we were very it's proud of. Identity. Exactly, because the people that used our leaf said your leaf is different. I cannot find replacement for it. And it's not that it's different. It's the same, I think, uh, Cuban seed that other growers uh, use to a certain extent. But it's what we do with it. From the land, from the fermentation process, we take things very slowly. We pay attention to detail. And that's what makes you know the leaf become something special. Yeah. Uh, everything has to have time. Tobacco requires a lot of time. Time, is, if you're a financial man, is money. Sure. But you can't sacrifice, you can't cut corners because you, you, you suffer in quality. There's no way to revert and go back uh, to the, the prior quality level. So yeah. you have to be very careful, very patient, and let the tobacco speak to you. 
Secondly, uh, which I acquired, you have to have a, a high respect and love for the leaf. The leaf is everything. The leaf is what makes it all possible. Without the leaf, you have nothing. Okay, you can have the greatest blend, this and that, but if the leaf does not perform, you don't have a good blend. So all those things from day one became very important to us. And we've uh, invested uh, all our effort, energy, and concentration in producing a great leaf. Sure. And it's not that it's different, but it, it tastes different, <laughs> funny yeah. enough, because it's, it, we treat it differently. Yeah, and I think anybody who's had enough experience with Aganorsa tobacco knows that difference. It's difficult maybe to put into words, but right. it is, it is a, a thing that almost, uh, Eric uses this phrase all the time, you can be in a room full of smokers, and if somebody's smoking, you know, there's enough Aganorsa tobacco, in the, it, it cuts through everything else, even if you're not the one smoking it. You know it's right. somewhere in the room. We've even taken it to the next level promotion-wise. Now when we visit stores, uh, I started it uh, in the uh, Nicaraguan fair when people would come to our factory. Uh, I would give them my spiel. My spiel all began with a leaf. So I would make uh, little reefers of, uh, let's say, Seco or Viso Corojo and uh, Esteli. And I would give them just a little reefer. And like anybody. This is the first time I've heard this term used in, in this context, giving them a little, a little reefer. Reefer, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I come from the late 60s, 70s, yeah. so I know what reefers are all about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, you know, just one little leaf rolled. And you can gain the whole texture and what that leaf provides to the to the blend and to the cigar and our signature uh, smoke so uh, now we use it in the stores uh, and people are really amazed and said you know this is the first time somebody really you know speaks to me uh, how tobacco and cigars come about how the interplay of different leaves of different cuttings of different seeds uh, mean everything in yeah. a blend so when um, the last time that we, I don't know if this was the last time that we saw each other, but the last time we sat and, and spoke for a considerable mm -hmm. time uh, was when we recorded another podcast, which if yes. people want to go back and there's all sorts of detail about your history and, right. and all of that in there, they can uh, search for you in our, in our podcast archives. But, you know, I mentioned uh, all of the rest of what Aganorsa is, and uh, I don't think I brought it up in that interview. In fact, I don't know if we had eaten this yet, but I, I still to this day tell people that easily the best Cuban-style lechon <laughs> that I have ever had in my life was from an Aganorsa pig. <laughs> so talk a little bit about what else Aganorsa is that maybe people who smoke cigars have no idea. I think that's an interesting component. Even if it doesn't really affect the consumer experience of the cigars, it's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, uh, backstory there. Okay. Uh, it all starts... When I came to Nicaragua, I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, came to Nicaragua to be involved in agricultural projects. I got into tobacco right away because I found out, unbeknownst to me, that Nicaraguan land uh, was unique and very special and that the ramifications of the business was worldwide, that you could do a, a world-class project in a little banana republic, uh, which Nicaragua is, uh, and, be, and have that projection. And I'm always a, a worldwide viewer of things. Uh, with time, I'm a workaholic as well. I, I always like to be busy, six, six, seven days a week, and always thinking about business. It's my nature. So I also, as time went by, met people in, in other th uh, areas in, in agriculture that were of deep interest to me. Uh, one is cattle. I have uh, quite a few cattle ranches, uh, and I'm breeding a special uh, type breed that is, uh, for people that know, Bostauros, not Bos Indicos, which is what's grown in the tropics. And the quality of the meat and, and the performance of the animal is that much greater. 
So that's like a special project of mine as well. Uh, and I have a quite a large herd and, and I'm in the process of creating a, a slaughterhouse to bring that meat out. It'll be like Aganorsa beef. Because <laughs> I always work in that is, regard. That alone is enough reason for me to find a way to get to Nicaragua <laughs> for some Aganorsa beef. I also got into hogs from the age of 17, 18 when I was living in Fort Lauderdale. I went to Davie once on the Agricultural Extension Service because I always wanted to be a farmer. But obviously I didn't have the capital and I didn't have the knowledge as well. And uh, the fellow told me, the, the agricultural extension officer, something I never forgot in life. If you have something good, people beat a path to your door. So I do things with that instinct right. of building a very good product or having a very good product, a very good concept, and the rest will take care of itself as right. long as it's quality, as long as you do it well. And that's been the process and the rule of life in, in, uh, in my business experiences. So. Yeah, I like to do things big, too. I'm not uh, a small type guy. Yeah. Reason being is that it requires the same effort, the same stress, the same struggle to do something in a small way than to do it in a large way. But in a large way, you have more resources. Uh, you have more people that can help you that are well-trained. So I also got in involved with hogs. And now I'm by far, maybe, I don't know, 50 times the largest hog producer in Nicaragua. <laughs> So I produce a lot of hogs. So that brought to me, I had to do my own meat processing plant, my own slaughterhouse, etc. Because it's totally vertically integrated, just as it is for Aganorsa tobacco. Yeah. You have to be vertically integrated in many businesses in small countries. The reason being that you have to control your destiny. The main philosophy of myself in business is that the important uh, factors in a business, you have to do yourself. You cannot give somebody else the control of your destiny. So you have to produce the product from day one all the way through until you get to the consumer. And uh, that's also been very important to me. So in that regard, uh, the same thing occurred. No? Uh, unbeknownst to me, one thing leads to another. I came into the, uh, in the cattle business. I went to the trade shows, just like here in, in tobacco. There are fairs for, uh, for livestock. No? One famous one for South America is Houston the Houston Livestock Show. And there I, I bumped into some fellows in a business that was just spurting, which is uh, was sexing semen. Unbeknownst <laughs> to me, I didn't know. This is the second time that an interviewee on our podcast makes reference to semen. <laughs> <laughs> but this is bona fides. <laughs> and actually, the other one has an agronorce. It was Rainier. Rainier Lorenzo talked about his his previous experience with uh, with semen. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we can go yeah. back. If you're looking for Reynier's take on uh, his experience with semen, yeah. go back in our archives. Right. Yeah. He, he worked <laughs> with... He, it's cattle semen. Yeah. He worked with us, no? <laughs> but we have uh, laboratories and machines all over the world, in Russia, in China, India, Germany, France. Uh, I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Canada, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a worldwide business, and we're the only... Uh, uh, people that have the, no the, the knowledge and the, and the patents to do that. And it's an extremely exciting business. And probably next year we're, we're going to go uh, on the stock market with the concept. And uh, so I'm also very excited about that. So those are things I'm involved in. They're varied, but they're all one and the same. Produce a quality product and be first class worldwide. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of the, the new product that you have. We you know There's plenty of ways that people can look into the details and what the blends are, but personally is there something that's new from Aganorsa that you're uh, especially excited about yes very much so 
Let me explain to you also. We changed our name uh, just recently, the concept to naming ourselves Aganorsa, which people always had a tough time. You know, what's Aganorsa? Who's and, Aganorsa? And, and let's clarify what the uh, what the where the name comes from. What is that? An, an okay, the Aganorsa is the acronym of my company in Nicaragua, which started in '98, which is Agricola Ganadera Norteña, and uh, the acronym is Aganorsa. Right. And the name has a true ringing sound, no? And there's no other company named that oh, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's how it, it began. But a couple of years ago, when Terrence came on and, and my son uh, took more control of the marketing, the image, and the blends, etc., um, he pushed that we change our name to Aganorsa because uh, both of them thought your company, what is unique, is the leaf. You're all about the leaf. So just put it all together, and that's your message, and that's yep. your. Uh, your, your trademark. So we changed the name of, uh, of, of uh, Tropical Tobacco, Tabacalera uh, Fernandez, etc., to Aganorsa Leaf. And it's done wonders for us because it's kind of brought it all together. Yeah. And it's been great. Now, in terms of new products, we're really excited. This year, we kind of went overboard. But again, because it's, uh, our tobacco is just so great and it, pro it produces so many uh, possibilities of doing different blends, different concepts, etc. And it, and I'm really proud of the, uh, the, the, the new wrapper that we have come up with, which was always there, but we could just never get there, which is the uh, Maduro Corojo, um, shade grown in Jalapa. Arsenio, which was a mentor also of mine and a, a great uh, tobacco man, uh, and a lot was lost with him passing away recently. He was always in that quest, uh, pushing me in that direction. But uh, upon his passing, we still had not gotten there, and we just did. So we're really excited about uh, this Maduro grown in Jalapa by regular means, and it's shade grown in the same uh, area that we grow our own Corojo Rosado Claro and Rosado. So we've added that to Hull's uh, new product line, which is the, the Guardian Maduro new line and the signature new line of Maduro. And we've also come up with a special concept of the... Uh, Perfectos, these little fat perfectos mm -hmm. in three sizes, 60, 70, and 80. And they're beautiful to look at. They're almost like a Botero structure, uh, sculpture. Uh, they're strong cigars. These are only for the hardy type. And it's all our leaf, 100%, including the cover leaf. It's not Mexican Maduro, which we use a lot. It's our own grown, and we're very proud of it. Takes a while to get there because it takes a lot of natural processing to get the leaf to that dark, uh, and it's an upper cutting, has to be cutting number three or four, uh, even five to get there. But we're very excited about it, very proud of it, and it's totally new to us, and I think even to the market, because uh, you always see, you know, Brazilian, Mexican, other uh, Maduros, but you don't see one from Nicaragua homegrown. Right. So we're extremely excited, and it, it's excellent in taste. And uh, it's much stronger than the Maduro from Mexico. So it has even more complexity and strength to, the, to a Nicaraguan cigar. Yeah. And it's a real true Nicaraguan puro, as they yeah. say. All right, so um, let's, uh, let's wrap on something totally away from, from cigars. You're here in Vegas with some you know, regularity like everybody else here. Is there somewhere that you always like to try to go to in Vegas, whether it's to eat or to smoke or to drink? Is there somewhere that, you know, if I'm going to be in Vegas, I want to drop into this or that place no not really but um, although with all that pork and beef you have going in Nicaragua <laughs> no when I come to the US I eat very well and I eat things that 
normally are not available in Nicaragua, like even vegetables, even salads oh, okay. are not common there because, you know, we're third world and we don't have the volume. Yeah. Uh, and the U.S. culinary experience is uh, nowadays unique uh, versus what it was maybe 20, 30 years ago. So I really take advantage of the food. Yes, yeah, so you have a field day uh, anywhere you end up here. Exactly. <laughs> when I lived in Spain, I was telling you earlier, uh, Spain and Europe, especially Spain, taught me to eat. Eat quality stuff. I mean, yeah. it's just a total different experience than what I had been exposed to in the United States previously. Right. So uh, that's, you know, something I always seek is a quality food and a, a great dining experience. So I take advantage here Very of good. that. All right. So, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up there, but thank you for uh, for the time. Okay, great. Again, this has been the Cigar Snob Podcast. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and just about any other place that serves this stuff up. Send any feedback you might have to feedback at cigarsnobmag.com and find us on all the social media things at at cigarsnobmag. Finally, visit cigarsnobmag.com. We just did a major overhaul, and it's better, faster, smokier. Sign up for our newsletter once you're there, and you'll be alerted to giveaways, contests, and other cool stuff we're doing. With that, thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.